I'm delighted to welcome a new supporting sponsor to the local government news roundup family. It's Ventio, a leading essential infrastructure services provider, redefining service excellence for communities across Australia and New Zealand. Ventio is operating at over 400 sites and with a large and diverse workforce of over 35,000. They specialise in the long-term operation, maintenance and management of critical public and private assets and infrastructure across a broad range of industry segments, including defence and social infrastructure, infrastructure services, telecommunications and transport. For local government, Ventia specialises in the end-to-end delivery of open space management, soft and hard facilities management, street cleansing, minor capital works and much more. Ventia brings capability in whole-of-life asset management and robust use of data for better decision-making for their clients. Ventia, making infrastructure work sustainably for our communities. Head to ventia.com to find out more. Hello everyone, it's Chris Eddy with the Local Government News Roundup for the 20th of September 2023. On the podcast today, the state government set to reveal reforms to deal with a housing crisis as councils hit back against claims they are to blame. Council waste charges in the media spotlight this week, a Melbourne council holding firm on Australia Day events, the challenges faced by council-run regional airports, a council to take on Vic Road's maintenance responsibilities, local government funding highlights from the New South Wales state budget, a Lord Mayor's call for pets on public transport criticised, and commissioners to be installed at embattled Birmingham City Council. Just some of the many local government stories getting our attention today on the Local Government News Roundup. Welcome along to the Roundup. It's great to have you here. Our podcast is brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association, the national broadcaster on all things local government, and by Snapsensolve, in the business of keeping shared spaces safe, clean and great to be in. The Victorian State Government is expected to reveal major reforms to housing and planning processes today after a Cabinet meeting last night to finalise arrangements. The Age reports this morning that the Government will announce a new policy to include incentives for building social and affordable homes as part of major projects. Incentives are predicted to include taller height limits and faster planning processes in priority precincts, with those precincts yet to be revealed. Sources are suggesting that new state-appointed metropolitan planning boards would be created to take over planning for developments of a certain value or within those priority precincts. As the sector awaits the detail, it has responded to claims that councils are holding back housing by releasing figures showing nearly 120,000 homes currently have planning approval, yet construction has not commenced. 98% of permits were granted under delegation without interference from councillors, while builders and developers hold back on construction due to rising costs and labour shortages. The analysis conflicts with the Premier's repeated statements that faster planning decisions are needed to get homes built, blaming councils for blocking decisions on behalf of vocal communities. MAV Deputy President Jennifer Anderson said the housing crisis would not be fixed by removing planning powers from councils because the problem is not with the current planning system. And Maribyrnong Mayor Councillor Sarah Carter has called for the government to stop developers' land banking to maximise profits from housing. 
There's extensive reporting on those issues from The Age today. You'll find the links in our show notes. As details are revealed, keep an eye on lgnewsroundup.com for more. Victorian councils are being accused of circumventing the rate cap through the application of waste charges. The Herald Sun describes the charges as sneaky and stealthy, but it does provide some insight into the challenges of dealing with a landfill crisis. Waste charges have increased this year by up to 18% at some councils, as councils look to recover some of the costs of an increasing landfill levy, which has nearly doubled in the past three years. A proposal to operate a facility to wash contaminated soil is being opposed by residents of Brooklyn in Melbourne's west who say that for too long the area has been used as an industrial dumping ground. The Age has the story on Waste Management Company Resource Co's application to recycle waste materials for reuse in a facility in an existing industrial estate that is just 400 metres from a residential area. The company says its risk assessment shows a low level of risk from the proposed activity. But residents and a community reference group are opposed as they continue to combat the worst air pollution in Melbourne, which they say is contributing to above average rates of asthma, heart disease and lung cancer. The proposal is yet to be assessed by the EPA. Bayside City Council has moved to clarify that it is not proposing to change the date of Australia Day. The council has received a recommendation from its Reconciliation Action Plan Advisory Group calling for advocacy for the federal government to consider an alternative date for Australia Day. However, the council says its community consultation has shown that just 21% of residents are opposed to holding events on the 26th of January, while 42% are unsure. The council says it still plans to hold citizenship ceremonies on the Australia Day public holiday. The Perry Urban Council's Victoria Group has been invited to join a new federal government roundtable tasked with shaping Australia's new national urban policy. PUCV Chair Councillor Michael Leaney said the group had accepted the invitation and will use the forum to advocate for key regional issues on behalf of peri-urban communities across the country. These are expected to include ensuring peri-urban regions are included in policy and funding mechanisms, managing urban growth while protecting agricultural lands and safeguarding the unique character and amenity of peri-urban towns. The PUCV member regions are expected to grow by almost 50% or more than 100,000 people by 2036. The Mayor of Greater Shepparton, Councillor Shane Sarley, says a trip to Canberra last week was just the beginning of efforts to advocate for a better outcome for the region and other communities in the Murray-Darling Basin. The delegation was focused on voicing concerns about proposed legislation that they say will have devastating impacts on the region's agriculture and economy and ultimately all Australians as it would cause the price of fruit and vegetables to rise dramatically. The group, including Mayor Sali, Councillor Jeff Dobson and a local dairy farmer and water advocate, emphasised the importance of protecting the region's water resources and its role in supporting the nation. And Port Phillip City Council has taken over maintenance of grass median strips on main roads in its municipality under a new agreement with Vic Roads. The arrangement follows resident complaints about overgrown grass. The council says bringing the Vic Roads assets under the responsibilities of its parks maintenance contractor will bring much improved service and amenity for its community. 
Briefly in other news, Latrobe City Council has introduced textile disposal chutes at their transfer stations to encourage residents to recycle their pre-loved or unwanted clothing items. The council says the initiative will provide a recycling solution for end-of-life clothing that may not be suitable for donation. An audit of waste management practices conducted by Mansfield and Alpine Shire Councils and the Mount Hotham Alpine Resort has revealed approximately 400 kilograms of waste in public bins that could have been recycled. According to a report from the Mansfield Courier, the findings will help Mansfield Shire to change bin infrastructure and services, including increasing the number of recycling bins, changing the design of bins and rolling out a new education campaign. And Ballarat City Council is seeking an architect to design a new state-of-the-art regional animal management facility. The new facility is being funded through an $11.5 million contribution from the state government and $3 million from the council. And Mayor Des Hudson says it will be the biggest improvement in animal welfare in the region in more than 100 years. While we're speaking of Ballarat, its local airport is being used as an example of the challenges faced by local government-run airports around the country. They're highlighted in a new report from ABC News, which reveals that many of the airports are running at a loss and being subsidised by ratepayers. In the Ballarat example, there's an annual council contribution of $200,000. The advocacy group Regional Capitals Australia says its research found 60% of 200 local government-run airports around the country run at a loss and are dealing with ageing infrastructure. Its chair, Councillor Kylie King, who was also the Mayor of Albury, says recurrent funding from the federal government is needed as well as more support for vital infrastructure upgrades. You'll find a link to that story from ABC News in our show notes. You're listening to the Local Government News Roundup with Chris Eddy. Let's look at some stories from across the country this week. Firstly, in New South Wales, where the state government budget has been released, including an additional $4.5 million to bolster the capacity of the Office of Local Government to develop a new code of conduct framework and to improve the fiscal responsibility of councils. Local Government Minister Ron Honig said the budget also guarantees funding for next year's council elections, with $102 million approved for the New South Wales Electoral Commission. Regional and rural councils will share in $390 million for urgent road and pothole repairs. There's $78.5 million to fund council rate concessions and funding to help councils improve education and care for registered dogs and cats. Speaking of pets, a call from Sydney's Lord Mayor for pets to be allowed on public transport has been criticised by animal behaviour experts and victims of dog attacks. The Daily Telegraph says Clover Moore is expected to call for changes to address disadvantages for pet owners who don't have car access, similar to other major international cities like Paris and San Francisco. But concerns are already being raised by those who fear train carriages will be turned into litter boxes and out of fear of a potential increase of vicious dog attacks. Pets are currently banned on regional and city train services but are allowed on light rail, buses and some ferries. A controversial sex education book written for children called Welcome to Sex will remain in the Wagga Wagga City Council Library after a controversial vote this week. The Region Riverina website has the details of a fiery community discussion and online debate leading up to the council meeting. 
A notice of motion from Councillor Michael Henderson called for the removal of the book from the library, but the motion was withdrawn due to the absence of some councillors. Councillor Dan Hayes proposed an alternative motion to keep the book on the shelves, saying the lodging and withdrawal of Councillor Henderson's motion turned the ridiculous into the embarrassing and the absurd. The motion was carried, but only after an amendment seeking to relocate the book to an older youth section of the library was defeated. Shoalhaven City Council CEO Stephen Dunshay has announced that he will soon draw the curtain on a 40-year local government career. Mr Dunshay has served as Shoalhaven CEO since early 2019. He started his four-decade local government career in 1983 at Campbelltown Council and later held positions at Blacktown, Wagga Wagga and Wallara before arriving at Shoalhaven in a director position in 2018. He's due to finish up in early February. Here are some of the latest mayoral election updates from around New South Wales. Campbelltown Mayor George Grice has been re-elected to the top position for the next year, with Mohammed Khalil elected as Deputy Mayor. Ashley Cagney has been re-elected Mayor of Camden Council, with former Mayor Therese Fideli staying on as Deputy. And Kempseyshire has elected a new Deputy Mayor this week. Kerry Riddington replaced Councillor Anthony Patterson in the position for the final year of the current council term. In Queensland, echoes of the housing situation we've been talking about in Victoria with LGAQ this week calling on the state government to help support the building sector to deliver almost 100,000 residential lots that are already approved across the state. The pig body says that while councils have been processing development approvals in a timely way, many are lying dormant because of rising construction costs and labour shortages. CEO Alison Smith says the state government needs to help with policy levers that can help developers start building through the creation of a new catalytic housing fund, one of nearly 40 proposals developed by councils along with a six-point action plan. Logan City Council is preparing a submission to a draft South East Queensland regional plan which will call for critical infrastructure to maintain the region's livability. The council will request access to government modelling to validate population targets which forecast an additional 311,000 residents in Logan by 2046, nearly doubling the current population of 350,000. The SEQ Regional Plan sets out a framework for land supply, housing, employment and other factors in anticipation of a regional population of 6 million by 2046. In Western Australia, the City of Perth has been given until today to comply with a request for information from the Department of Local Government arising from an anonymous letter levelling a range of allegations against senior staff at the Council. WA Today has reported that the claims, described as incorrect and defamatory, related to the Lord Mayor and the CEO of the City. This follows a report from Nine News that a letter making similar claims had been received by councillors and the Premier of WA, Roger Cook. According to a council spokesperson, the letter lacked specifics and contained factually incorrect and defamatory assertions. The letter was forwarded to the Department and the Corruption and Crime Commission. Campaigning is underway across WA for council elections, which occur next month. One of a number of elections getting the media's attention is the city of Joondalup, where it's predicted as many as six new faces could end up on the council. Four current councillors are retiring, paving the way for a fresh leadership group in the city regarded as the regional capital for the northern suburbs of Perth. For more on that and other elections of interest over the coming weeks, keep an eye on the Perth Now website.
In South Australia, Mount Gambia City Council has renewed its partnership with a dog rescue organisation for the rehoming of unclaimed stray dogs. It's the second agreement between the council and Dusty Paws Dog Rescue, which provides a safe and secure temporary home with foster carers until a forever home is found. The council has a similar agreement in place with Wet Noses Animal Rescue. Of the five dogs that have been impounded since the 1st of July, two have been reunited with their owners, two have been adopted and one is in foster care. Rounding up the national briefs now, as many as 6,000 residents face being fined for failing to vote in a recent by-election for Darwin City Council. Lord Mayor Con Batskalis has told ABC Radio of his disappointment with voter apathy. As the Electoral Commission says those enrolled who didn't vote would be asked whether they had a valid reason or face a $25 fine. Windsor Carribee Shire Council is holding sessions to prepare candidates for next year's council elections when it comes out of a period of administration. The sessions will be facilitated by John Rayner, a former council general manager, in partnership with the Office of Local Government and other councils that have undergone administration. The first of four sessions will be held on the 11th of October. The City of Fremantle's Recycling Centre has been recognised as the Waste Champions in the Metro Local Government category at this year's Waste Sorted Awards. The award acknowledges the centre's continuous improvement in resource recovery, with a recovery rate of 77% from 750 tonnes of waste received in 2021-22. Bega Valley Shire Council, a member of the Canberra Region Joint Organisation, has secured funding to train 10 female employees in planning. The funding, provided by the CRJO through the Training Services New South Wales Innovation Fund, will allow the employees to undertake four training modules to obtain planning qualifications. And the City of Busselton in WA is expected to look into how it can officially recognise local pole vaulter Nina Kennedy, who won joint gold at the World Athletics Championships in Budapest last month. Mayor Grant Henley has given notice of a motion for this week's council meeting, calling on the CEO to come up with a way of recognising Kennedy's success at the global level. Now on the Local Government News Roundup, it's time for the International Spotlight. A tumultuous time for local government in the UK continues. The UK government this week has announced it will appoint commissioners to the embattled Birmingham City Council, which effectively declared itself bankrupt recently. The responsible minister, Michael Gove, has today announced a series of emergency measures, which are also expected to include the selling off of assets, job cuts and a rise in council tax. The Guardian reports that the Minister has addressed the House of Commons on the matter, saying that commissioners will be given extensive powers over the Council's governance, financial decision-making and senior appointments, and that an inquiry into the Council's financial situation would be launched. The latest six-monthly report by government-appointed commissioners at Slough Borough Council has been released to the public, noting some progress with more sustained improvement needed. The report finds that scrutiny of decisions has improved with a stable top team at the corporate leadership level. The council has delivered a slight underspend for the last full financial year and it's appointed an internal audit manager and conducted resident and staff surveys to rebuild trust. However, the commissioners say the council's IT infrastructure remains poor and that the intervention is at a pivot point after 18 months. 
The mayor of a London council has resigned following his association with a former councillor who was arrested on suspicion of possessing indecent images of children. Philip Glanville was suspended after being pictured with Tom Dewey at a Eurovision party, but he claimed he was unaware of Dewey's arrest at the time. Dewey later received a one-year suspended sentence for possessing indecent images of children. According to the BBC, around 50 local residents protested last week and the Hackney Green Party tabled a motion of no confidence in Glanville. In his resignation letter, Glanville has taken responsibility for his error in judgment and a lack of transparency. The resignation will trigger a mayoral election. In Canada, municipal politicians are gathering for a major conference this week at which they're expected to call for more help from provincial government to deal with natural disasters. The Globe and Mail has a report on the major topics for discussion at the conference, which will include major concerns about housing with hundreds of homes damaged or destroyed by wildfires. Towns and cities say they lack the funds to address the problem. Mental health, drug use, women in politics and a call for a provincial ethics commissioner are also topics on the conference agenda. And in the USA, a former mayor of Anaheim in California has pleaded guilty to federal charges and faces up to 14 months in prison. TV station KESQ reports that Harry Sidhu resigned his position in May last year in the midst of an ongoing federal investigation. The charges included obstruction of justice, wire fraud and lying to federal investigators. He has admitted to destroying emails, avoiding sales taxes on a helicopter and funneling inside information to the Anaheim Chamber of Commerce and a consultant for the Anaheim Angels baseball team. Mr Sidhu has said he regrets the violations and has paid back the taxes he owed. And we've reached the finish line for another edition of the Local Government News Roundup. This one recorded on the 20th of September 2023 and brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association and supported by Snap Send Solve. You can find links to the stories that we've referenced in this episode and the full transcript at lgnewsroundup.com. While you're there, check out the latest breaking news updates and learn how you can support the Roundup by becoming a subscriber through a small monthly contribution which you can cancel at any time. I'm getting some great feedback on our September edition of Roundup Unfiltered, which is available at the moment to subscribers exclusively, but is releasing for all at the weekend. The Local Government News Roundup is recorded in the city of Greater Geelong, Victoria, on the land of the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation. I hope you'll join me again for the Local Government News Roundup. Until next time, thanks for listening and bye for now. The Local Government News Roundup is proudly supported by Davidson. For 30 years, Davidson has been strengthening the local government sector by identifying and providing the people, expertise and experience that local government needs to enhance its capability, productivity and performance. Davidson is nationally recognised for its executive recruitment services and over the past four years has built a business advisory practice rapidly evolving into one of the nation's foremost and trusted local government business consultancy firms. 
The Davidson methodology and approach is simple. Thinking beyond now and aiming to be a valued partner with your local government, not just for the immediate project, but for the next 30 years. Speak to Justin Hanney or Seamus Scanlon to find out more or head to davidsonwp.com.au. Davidson, your future, your partner.